Welcome to episode 32 of the Lonely Fan Sports Show. I'm Josh Anderson. In this episode, we will look at round 16 of 17 of the Monster Energy Supercross. It was the final regular season round of the 250 East series, and then, uh, well, it was pretty much the second to last round of the regular 450 Supercross series. But before we look at that, uh, on press day, Martin Davalos announced that he is done. Uh, he is going to retire. Uh, in the offseason, he announced that he was going to uh, return to Team Tedder. He signed a two-year contract. But apparently, uh, even before he had a practice crash during press day, which gave him a concussion, he decided that he was going to call it quits after this season. And uh, you know what? If, if that's the way he wants to go out, good for him. So, Martin Davalos had a career that stretched out since uh, 2006 when he debuted debuted in the 250 Supercross Series. He uh, finished ninth overall with 60 points. And when you look at Marty Davalos, he was always the character that a lot of people... He was always, when you look at certain podcasters or when you look at a lot of people that a lot of people were very opinionated on, on wanting them to change the 250 rules on either people are sandbagging in the class or or whatever, Marty was always the easy target because... For some mystical reason, either the rules were changed or he benefited or he got hurt, so he never pointed out. And, you know, Marty, the one thing about Marty is he made a lot of money. And, you know, if that was because he was on Pro Circuit, if that's because he was on Husky or or anything, he made a lot of money in the 250 class. And to be frank, I, I don't believe that there is going to be another case of this. I know there's a couple of stragglers left in the 250 class where there's Jeremy Martin or a Christian Craig, but uh, there is a, a youth movement coming in the 250 class because uh, Jeremy Martin has maybe one year left in the class. Uh, next season, because he's kind of already announced it, uh, Colt Nichols has to move up when he wins the championship. And I, I'm not sure in Christian Craig if what he's going to do. But outside of that, everyone else is pretty much going to be young in, in the 250 class that even has a chance to win the championship. Marty Davalos was always the rare exception in the class where he, he had the potential to win a championship, and he kind of never fulfilled that promise, and it, it was always it was always tough to watch because y- you knew the talent was there, and it was just, it was just, it was always there, and and something would always would always happen to Marty, and you know in in 2013 
was probably the closest he will ever. Sorry, 2013. I apologize. 2014 would will probably be the closest he will ever win the championship. Uh, obviously, that was the year that Adam Cincerello debuted, and he he was close because Adam got hurt. He had to have the the shoulder surgery, which put him out. And then uh, something happened. I, I can't. I think it was a chain issue, where, where Adam or sorry, uh, Martin kind of you know he got hurt the rest of the year, and there was a practice crash, and that ended that ended the season, and that that was a tough one for Martin. And then there was, you know, you don't know how much if 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 it was truth or not, but you had, you had the visa issue. For Martin Davalos, you don't know what was factual in that in through the years. And then at the start of the season, I, I believe it was the 2018 season, everyone said uh, this could be Martin's year, and Josh Osby doesn't break and knock, knocks Marty out for the whole entire year. <laughs> so he had a lot of run in the 250 class where he probably made at least over millions of dollars within the class and you have to be happy at least the accountant has to be happy and then the one thing that people you know Mathis on his show he got he got proved right that uh, Martin Martin was uh, he uh, got the shot on the 450 Husky for the outdoor series and, and he was podium he was podium multiple races and it, it showed that he had a lot of talent it's just you know at the time you just didn't necessarily have have rides open and coming if you just if he might have had opportunities earlier in his career maybe but that's that's the one thing about marty he just he just never fulfilled the talent that that he had and that's a lot of riders you kind of you you look at a Forkner, which Forkner has all the talent in the world. It's just that he he keeps getting injured, and you just you have to wonder who's. I I said a little bit ago that I don't see another Martin Davalos coming in because of the pointing out rules, but there's always the potential that you're always could be like is Forkner, is Forkner even a possibility for for that chance? But. Uh, Martin, even his 450 career debut last season, very, very solid. Didn't really Marty, but, you know, this year, this year has been a struggle. Uh, lots of crashes, hasn't been able to stay up, and you kind of, lots of wear and tear on the body. He, he's been making mains, so the, the team, in terms of that, has to be happy. But overall, the, uh, you know, when you're not making a lot of money, you know, he, he made, he's going to be making, he made 15 out of the 17 mains. Uh, he's going to make top 20 in the points. So overall, Martin Davalos had a solid career. He has nothing to apologize for. He made a lot of money in the sport and he made a lot of friends. He seems like a nice guy in all the interviews that he's ever done. Good for him. Uh, get back to the race. Uh, well, if you listen to, the any of the reviews from the race I, I i didn't watch race day live in this aspect but i kind of heard it was a little bit of a shit show even more than normal 
and it was more to the to the aspect that they're just not they they keep doing they're not showing practice half the time they're just showing people rolling around and not showing fast laps and that's been a consistent problem throughout the entire race day live i i just what is the producer doing and i understand that you want to get build up cooper webb and ken roxon but that's not what you're that don't do that do that in the main show uh do that right before the main event starts those are the type of things the people that buy the peacock package the people that are watching that are the hardcore fans uh, the people nobody no casual fans or new audiences aren't watching the peacock app I, i'm sorry that's just no, I understand that the selling point of the Peacock app is the office, but I have a hard time people believing that they're just going to scroll through and, and find Supercross. I'm sorry. Uh, you have a lot of marketing to do, which which is going to have to happen in the future, which I'll get to more broadcasting things in a minute. But either way, Race Day Live, improve the product You know, for next season. You know, maybe I'll do another podcast about how to improve race day live how to improve the tv package in general but let's go guys let let's let's improve the entire product because i already said when you watch nhra you don't have these issues like sometimes yes they do bring up like they do try to when they when they need to like they have a did you know thing for new beginning people do I get bugged about it? No, because I understand that sometimes, yes, maybe they do have a new audience watching. But you know what? They don't talk down to people during the regular broadcast. So Race Day Live, you're not talking to new people, most likely on the Peacock, Peacock app. So let's show riders that are on their fast lap. Let's not take away from the actual race oh by the way go back to the broadcast I, I think i forgot to bring this up on my last review uh podcast why in the fuck are they going to a chase sexton interview from the last um from the last heat race in the middle of a heat race why are you doing that that was probably the most asinine thing that you ever could do now i understand that uh, in the heat race, Chase missed the uh, timing uh, timing, and because the racetrack was a little long, that it forced uh, it screwed up all the timing. Well, the timing was going to be messed up anyway because of the crashes from McAdoo. So even if your time saving measures was fucked up anyway, so you've pissed off your fan base by going to a worthless interview which you could have done a screen and screen, or you know what? You could have just waited until the heat race is over and gone back to it because you have enough time in the broadcast to do it. So either way, just wait the next time. Otherwise, that's just you're just pissing people off. And honestly, when people see that on social, because people are going to see that on social media, and you're not going to hide from it. Just knock it off. Grow up in your broadcasting. Uh, all right. Speaking of the broadcast, uh, the this week um, they moved uh, Daniel Blair 
in with Ricky. And I, I'm going to fall out say that Daniel did a wonderful job. Uh, I, he, the one, the, I'm going to go off on this. Jason Wygant should be in the broadcast booth. I, I'm sorry. Daniel did a wonderful job and, and everything, but Weege should, should be, should be in the booth. Uh, Weege obviously does the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Series. Weege does Racer X Review Pods with Mathis and Jason Thomas. He's very knowledgeable. He does all the interviews, knows all the writers. He, he knows everything you, you need to know. And when you're listening to the broadcast on Lucas Oil Pro Motocross, he doesn't shy away from anything. He analyzes everything. And I, I just don't understand what the man did to Feld that why is he not on the broadcast? I, I just don't understand and I wish that maybe Mathis or anybody at all would ask anybody from Feld on why Weege is not on there. I understand that Weege is never going to ask that question, but some, can somebody ask on record why Weege has never been even asked to do the broadcast? Regardless of that, Daniel Blair did a wonderful job. Obviously, the reason why I want Weege in there because he's very knowledgeable. But when you get somebody in there that like Daniel Blair, Daniel Blair knows everyone because obviously Daniel has a son racing. He raced. He is he basically knows everyone, so he's able to uh, effectively communicate everyone. He knows everyone's backstories. He has time, uh, unlike other writers, to analyze everything. Uh, so because of that, he's able to feed off Ricky. And you notice that Ricky was able to play off that better because when, if you have somebody with knowledge of the riders, it's a, you're able to communicate everything effectively a little bit more. So that's the one thing that's always lacking in the broadcast in general. And maybe... Ricky is not necessarily going to know the backstory on, you know, maybe the lackluster of the of the privateer. And that's fine. But if you have Ricky in there, at least he's going to understand, call out what's going to happen on the track. And if he can feed off Daniel Blair better in the booth, that's going to be a greater pair in the booth. That's wonderful. So if you have Daniel Blair calling shots and having information about the rider, you can have Ricky calling what's going on on the track and being able to call that. Because Ricky, I think, actually did a lot better in the booth with Daniel Blair and is able to effectively do better. I just feel that I think Weege would be better suited in there. But you know what? If you're going to have Daniel Blair in there, that's fine too because he can do a well enough job in there as well. All right, let's get to the results. Let's start off with the uh, 450 class, as we usually do. Marvin Muscan won. Uh, he he didn't get the whole shot. Uh, that was Roxon. We'll get to him in a little bit. Uh, do I feel that Marvin Muscan probably should have won that race? No. Uh, I feel that... Honestly, I, I think Cooper Webb kind of let him win that race, and that's kind of kind of crappy for me to say, but 
I think if Cooper Webb really wanted to win that race, I think Cooper Webb probably could have went inside a little bit harder, could have maybe made a block pass. But I think maybe Cooper Webb kind of identified how rough of a season Marvin Muscan has had. And, you know, and Marvin rode his probably his best race of his season because Roxon uh, Roxon got the whole shot and pulled away about three seconds early. But Marvin was kept catching Roxon before Roxon crashed. And but Cooper Webb was catching uh, Marvin throughout the race. So either way, Marvin was able to hold off Cooper Webb for Marvin's first win since uh, 2019. Obviously, Marvin missed last season because of his injury. Honestly, if Marvin does not sign a new contract for 2022, which that's still up in the air, this could be Marvin Muscan's last win of his career. That's yet to be known. Uh, Marvin Muscan is ninth in points. Obviously, it has been a terrible year for Marvin Muscan. Uh, we'll see what happens in this future, but obviously getting a win and the $100,000 bonus is going to be good for him. Cooper Webb gets second place. That's uh, what was he looking for. Obviously, with Roxon's sixth place finish, he wasn't going to win the championship anyway, but he's going to be 22 points ahead of Roxon. For Cooper Webb, he didn't get a the greatest of starts, but uh, for a fourth place start, uh, in the middle of the race, he was having a hard time passing Jason Anderson. Uh, you you kind of wondered in there if uh, if Jason Anderson was going to uh, move over, but that was not the case. Anderson was riding, riding him hard through a lot of the race. And then after, uh, you did notice though, after Webb was able to pass Anderson, uh there was realistically no Anderson kind of just let him go after that. But up until that point, and Anderson was riding him very, very difficult. The one thing I'll say though, is that, uh, Malcolm was behind Cooper Webb for a lot of that, uh, start of the race. It did bug me. There's a couple things that bugged me. I do feel that Malcolm could have roded in there harder on Cooper Webb. And I don't know if he thought about the, if that would affect the championship or not, or if Ma- Malcolm was very hesitant on doing that. I, I don't know what I um, I haven't watched the press conference at all, or what exactly was going on. I do feel that Malcolm could have made a move, move a stronger, a little bit harder move on Cooper Webb. He elected not to; that was his decision. But I feel that he could have. And with that said, what. Ricky in the booth did bug me that he was when he made the comment that he was happy about uh, Malcolm not making an impact on the championship. I'm sorry, I have problems with those comments. You're racing an individual sport, and I don't give a rat's ass if somebody doesn't have an impact on the championship. Malcolm Stewart is in like is in the top seven of points. So who cares? He's going for position. If he's riding faster than Cooper Webb, then he should be making all the effort in the world to pass him. I, I really don't care. And those comments like that bug me. It's just com- there, there's another the other critique I have of Ricky. I get tired of where Ricky goes. I don't want the race to become a, a whoop. Uh, 
a whoop championship. But and those comments like that also bug me because when we we always complain that the tracks are always the same and uh, the riders are always the same lap times. But here's the deal with that: if the whoops make the biggest difference in the race, then I would argue then the riders should be maybe getting better in the whoop section because that's going to be the biggest difference in the lap times and, and that's going to be the biggest difference on the track. So obviously, yes, I do want the whoops to be the biggest difference and hopefully that happens in 2022 when we get back to more normal. Uh, Dylan Ferrandez got... Uh, oh, sorry. Let's get back to Malcolm Stewart. Malcolm Stewart got third place. That will be his first podium. Obviously, you could tell by the uh, social media uh, and just media in general. And the guys in the booth overwhelmingly happy that Malcolm got a third. Obviously, in Salt Lake last year, he uh, did very, very well. And so this year is no different. Uh, Dylan Ferrandez got fourth. Uh, his best finish position since uh, the beginning of the year. Uh, obviously, with Dylan, it's always going to be uh, start dependent. Uh, Chase Sexton, fifth. Rebounds after a poor performance from... Uh, Last week, uh, it's just uh, Chase. It, it's going to be interesting for him going into outdoors. He, he does. He did win the final round of last season, and he does have a chance. I, you know, he does have a chance to win the championship. It, it just depends upon uh, where he's at physically. Then we get the Roxon. Um, I don't know it. I I, I, I can't even say that uh, Cooper Webb was in his head this time. I, I just. He had the race win. He could have got the points lead down to 13, and uh, he he crashed again. And uh, that's that's all she wrote. Uh, he's now 22 points down in, in in the championship, and it's it's disappointing. Um, when when you look at previous championships that he's lost, he, he never did this did this against Dungey. Uh, Never did this against Tomac and or Villapoto. So it's just one of those things that can he grow from this? Is this mentally going to affect him from outdoors? Is he even going to race outdoors? There was an article written by NBC Sports that he doesn't know if he's going to continue racing after the 2022 season. So we'll have to see if he, he does. Um, I don't even know if he's doing outdoors. So it, it's just very disappointing. I was kind of hoping that he'd win the championship, get the monkey off his back, but I don't even know if that's going to happen next year. Uh, Jason Anderson, seventh. I thought he would do better. Uh, obviously, the dirt is uh, more like his home track dirt, but he... He uh, didn't have the speed. Obviously, Cooper Webb looked better. Malcolm Stewart looked better. And uh, I don't know. Don't know if the elevation was an issue. But over over the last couple of years, elevation hasn't appeared to be an issue. So that, that was uh, fairly interesting to see. Uh, Aaron Plessinger had a quiet eighth. Uh, Dean Wilson, a quiet ninth as we fade out into the year. Eli Tomac, he, he was the fastest qualifier. He... Um, he he won the heat race pretty dominantly. Get to the main event. Terrible start. And then followed by 
multiple, multiple crashes. So we're ending the year very negative to it, very badly for uh, Eli Tomac. And that's not what Eli needs to see going into outdoors, which is big for him. No confirmation yet, but obviously the word is he's coming back for two more years. So going into outdoors, that's that's not good when you are crashing multiple times and nobody is even making him crash. Uh, Joey Savacci, 11th. Brock Tickle, 12th. Uh, career best for Max Anstey. That's good for him, getting 13th. That's Suzuki's best ride as well in a, quite a while. Uh, Justin Barsha had pretty much a bad day. Crashed in the uh, heat race, which um, resulted him going to the LCQ. Obviously, he dominated that, but uh, main event crashed in the first corner. And then, uh, honestly, uh, he only was able to ride up the 14th, which basically ended his night. So, uh, Tyler Bowers, uh, season best 15th. Uh, Benny Bloss uh, looked better this race. Obviously, DNF'd last race, so finished uh, 16th here. Cade Clayson, best race yet, finished 17th. Brandon Hartraft looked good, 18th. Justin Starling, 19th. Henry Miller made his second main event of the year, 20th. Frederick Noren made another main event, 21st. And Joshua Cartwright, main out of the main event, was able to hold off Alex Ray on making the final... Um, final transfer spot and getting 22nd in the main event. So the points will be Cooper Webb is number one, Ken Roxon is two, Eli Tomek is three, Justin Barsha is number four, Aaron Plessinger is fifth, Jason Anderson is sixth, Malcolm Stewart is seventh, Dylan Ferrandez is eighth, Marvin Muscan is tenth, and uh, sorry, Marvin Muscan is ninth, and Joey Savacci is tenth. Uh, and the only, when you're looking at the points, the that honestly could be your top 10 because there's really no movement to be had. The only differences is uh, Malcolm Stewart and Jason Anderson are going to uh, battle for sixth place in points. Other than that, um, that's about it, a movement. There's really no movement I can see in the top 10. Uh, Dean, Dean Wilson will pretty much finish 11th. Uh, Chase Sexton will finish 12th. Uh, there is a chance that uh, Brock Tickle... No, that's pretty much where everyone else is going to uh, going to finish. I pretty much all, almost all the top 20 in points is pretty much finalized going into the final race of the season. So uh, it'll be interesting to see who will make the final main event all right now to the uh 250 class it was the it was pretty rough uh only uh 26 guys made the uh made it to the race it was for the east west shootout i don't know if feld will relook at this optically it didn't look well but it is a covid year so i I understand that they do want the top talent to face each other, but it just gets rough when you only have certain amount of riders come. So uh, either way, the big story of the race was uh, Christian Craig crashing in practice. 
looked like he uh, sprained his ankle and broke his tibula. So it will be remain to be seen if Christian Craig will be healthy enough to ride uh, outdoors. Uh, obviously, they do have a month to get him ready. So, and honestly, sometimes it, depending upon the um, depending upon the length of injury, we'll see if he's ready to go because that it's just it's just realistically a bad time for the injury. And looking at the results, he he could have won the could have won the main event because Colt Nichols had a bad start. So, but getting to the main event, uh, Joe Shimoda won the main event. He, he was he's the first Japanese rider to win on a Japanese bike. Uh, he did he wasn't the fastest guy. Uh, he held off Jet Lawrence, Michael Moseman to win the main event. Now, I would argue that if Michael Moseman gets around Joe Samoda, he wins. And I this is a trend that Michael Moseman kind of has. And it's more of he he tends to follow the leader. And he needed to make a move on, on Joe, and he didn't. And because he didn't, he, he made multiple mistakes. There was a really interesting point in, in the press conference where, well, I didn't watch the press conference, but um, I saw a highlight where Jet Lawrence was calling out Michael Mosman, you know, calling him a dirty rider, going at the front wheels. And you kind of, there is supported evidence actually with Feld posted it out there. I, I didn't really notice it when he was doing it at Joe, maybe at Jet, but the fact of the matter is, is that Michael needed to make, needed to make the moves on Joe, and he didn't. And you know, and good for Joe. Joe has been making a lot of a lot of moves, and he has been showing increased speed over and over and over again. It showed that Pro Circuit had made the correct moves to get him the ride. It will be interesting to see if they re-sign him going into 2022. Obviously, they have a strong team going into outdoors, but I don't believe that they. Uh, it, it will just be interesting to see if um, it, it will just be interesting to see how strong of a team because a lot of people think that's going to be a Yamaha winning the championship, but I fully believe that a green bike, a green Kawasaki, does have a good opportunity to win the championship. Uh, Joe Shimoda, pretty much. Has a great opportunity on getting second in points as long as he qualifies and uh, unless uh, something realistically happens. Uh, obviously, the East is fairly weak, so they should uh, he should finish second in points, and that should be a good bonus for him. Jet Lawrence didn't have a good start into the race. Uh, he... Uh, you know, he he had a fourth place start, but he let Mosman and Shimoda just go out there. Um, it, so he, he had a very slow start, but towards the middle of the race, he was able to pick it up and go. So he showed, he, he showed that he can. Obviously, Colt Nichols picked it up in the middle of the race, too. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what Jet does outdoors from other podcasts I've heard. He has been ripping at the test track obviously he was a fifth 
it looked like he was getting fourths and fifths every single time at the this past outdoors, and that's where he was expected to get because when you're facing up against Dylan Ferrandis and uh, Jeremy Martin, two riders that have been previous MXGP and Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Championships, it's it's going to be a uh, tough, 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 very tough challenge. Uh, Michael Molesman, obviously what I said, he should have made passes on Joe Shimoda earlier, but he didn't, and then he made mistakes once uh, uh, Jet Lawrence and Colt Mickles made uh, pass attempts. Uh, he made a mistake at the triple right before the finish line, and that was all she wrote. You know, it's going to be interesting to see if he does ride the uh, East-West shootout. And the reason why I say that is because he's right at the limit of the pointing out category. If if I'm Michael Mosman and I am the Troy Lee's Designs team, I actually sit him and just, and just bail. And I understand that he's the only rider for the team. But I, I just, if, if I'm going to have him on the team... I, I just I just bail and get ready for outdoors because I I I don't have a point out. It's just a waste of a year of eligibility if if you ask me. But that's just my opinion, and I I obviously I don't say that because you know you get get people in trouble. But but obviously, I just go by the rules. Uh, Thomas Doe, fifth place. Yeah, he had, he had a great start. He had a second place start, and he actually was hanging. With Joe Shimoda for majority of the early part of the race, and I was impressed. And obviously, he's on a private tier KTM bike, and I just felt that uh, he that was the best ride from a privateer that I've seen from quite a while. I, I'm sorry, from I understand he, he's a French guy, but uh, I believe so. But either way, that was just impressive. Just watching him back in the pack, and he he was just holding up. He was he was just, that was just awesome. So, uh, Josh Rawaz, uh, sixth place. Good for him. Uh, he, uh, got through the LCQ. He, so he qualified 19th, but he finished sixth and, uh, that moved him up to seventh place in points. So good for him. Logan Carnell, quiet, but seventh place. Good for him. And then, uh, Gerald Stapenden had him in fantasy. I don't even want to talk about fantasy because I felt good going in. And uh, I will get to a certain rider here in a minute. Uh, uh, so Stapleton finished eighth. Uh, Hunter Scholar, Sklosher, got ninth. John Short, tenth. Luke Neese, eleventh. Devin Simonson, twelfth. R.G. Wegman, sorry, thirteenth. Alexander Nagy makes another main Good for him. He gets 14th. Maxwell Sanford gets 15th. Justin Rodbell, who almost made his first 450 main event, gets 16th. Wilson Fleming gets 17th. Geisler gets 18th. Brian Marty, 19th. Mason Kerr, 20th. Lane Shaw, 21st. And then Joshua Osby, trying to go for 5th in points, goes down hard. I guess he was coming in with an injury rough for him but uh so yeah getting back to uh Pulpamex fantasy just rough for me i only got six of the eight guys in i i i felt it was rough for me because i i picked wageman 
in both classes. I felt he he qualified well, and then when he got ten, uh, for the 450 class, when he got tenth, I had a feeling that he wasn't gonna make the main, and then he got a bad start in the LCQ and he didn't make it in. And then my 251 was just a terrible disaster because Curran Thurman, I, what the fuck are you doing, man? I mean, I understand in the heat race, you get landed on. So you might have been sore, but that was terrible. And I understand that maybe your national number came from outdoors, but you're not better than the other that you're not better than any of the guys in the LCQ? Really? How is that possible? That was terrible. It was just like, it was just frustrating. So I think I only got like 209 points in, in fantasy. So so we're on the outdoors. That That's where we're at. So anyway, uh, so one more round left of the uh, Monster Energy Supercross series. All three championships are going to be declared. And uh, then we'll move on to uh, outdoors. Uh, So for this podcast, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening.